over the last several weeks, as I've been walking around the campus, as I've been having conversations with various people, both on campus and off campus, I've noticed something. I've noticed a weird dynamic. This is the dynamic. Some of us are suffering. We're sad that we're suffering. But then here's the cherry on top. We're suffering, we're sad about suffering, but then we're sad about being sad. It's a triple whammy. You're suffering, you're sad about it, and you're sad about being sad. You beat yourself up for being down. You know you should be more happy. This truth was drilled home to me recently when I sat down with a friend over lunch. He's my longest time friend. I've known him for about 40 years. We're sitting down for lunch. He is a tough guy, I've got to tell you. He's, uh, he's got a Harley. Do I need to say more? He's got a Harley. He wears leathers. His hands are always dirty. He knows how to pull wrenches. He knows how to get under cars. He knows how to fix boats. He knows how to fix snowmobiles. He's a tough guy. I'd never seen him cry before in my life, but as he was sharing with me about what was going on in his life recently, in his marriage, with his family, with his work, all of a sudden we're in the restaurant. He bursts out into tears. They're flowing down his face. And as I'm handing him one napkin after the other, and he's unable to stop, he says to me, I'm so sorry, dude, I'm sorry. I said, don't be sorry. He says, I don't know what's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me, Ed. This isn't the first time this has happened to me. I'm driving to work and I hear a song and suddenly I find myself bawling as I'm driving down the road. Like, what's wrong with me, man? And I looked at him and I said, my dear friend, don't overcomplicate it. You're sad. You're so incredibly sad. And it's okay. And I could have, and he said, You're right. I am. I'm just so sad. My life wasn't supposed to go this way. It wasn't supposed to look this way. And he very much could have added, It would be true to say, And I'm sad about being sad all the time. It's like I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm depressed about being depressed. And he's putting pressure on himself to be happy. Because we know, don't we? We're not supposed to be sad. Any of you ever get into that place? Not only are you suffering, not only are you sad about your suffering, but then you're sad about being sad about it. It is indeed a triple whammy. I want to just address two things. Why I believe this happens to us in a very general sense, and then what we can do about it according to Scripture. Okay, so why does this happen to us? It's very, very simple. It's because we live in a society that tells us that not only is happiness available for us, but we probably can attain that happiness that's out there for us. And if we are not attaining the happiness that's out there for us, if we are not happy, it's probably our fault. It's probably because we're doing something wrong or because there's something deficient about us or because we're being victimized in some way or another. We're special targets for victimization, right? You get it in the American dream. What is the purpose of your life? It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if you don't achieve that happiness, you're not pursuing what you exist for. You get it in social media, don't you? I, we were hearing in a session this morning that Facebook isn't as popular as it used to be, but 
maybe there's other platforms where people present themselves always in the best possible light. They're, they've got a happy and clappy life. And you look at it, and you look down at your life, and you think, goodness gracious me, my life absolutely sucks. I'm supposed to be happy. This world is to deliver me the goods of happiness. Why do others have it? And I don't. No wonder you're sad about being sad. You should be able to buy your way into happiness, shouldn't you? It's available. And it does give us that moment, doesn't it, when that Amazon package arrives? Aren't you happy for a nanosecond? Until we can go and get that next buzz by buying the next thing. But it does not bring us the happiness that we long for. Does it? And Christians aren't much better at this, are they? Sometimes. I know one preacher used to talk about getting your best life now. If only you would pray the right prayers, you could receive the blessings that God has for you in your life, and you could be happy. When we were little kids, I remember we were taught a song, or some of our generation were taught a song. Perhaps some of you you have heard it. I'm in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time. I'm in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time. Since Jesus loveth me. And then I forget the rest of the song. But you get the point. We're supposed to be happy. But what if you're not happy all the time? What if you're sad? But you're supposed to be happy. Well then, indeed, we're sad about being sad. And we can spiral down into a depression. Because we're putting more and more pressure on ourselves just to be happy. It is a hugger mugger. It can lock you in a vortex of bad things. So, what can we do about it? Well, we can, as usual, as we are wont to do in this chapel, we can listen to what Jesus says. Jesus was indeed the wisest man who ever lived because Jesus was simultaneously God himself, the source of all wisdom. And you know what Jesus says? In brief, Jesus says this. Please, you're suffering, okay. You're sad, okay. But don't be sad about being sad. Don't do that. Instead, go the other direction. Be happy about being sad. You remember in Matthew chapter 5, in that famous, famous passage called the Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That word for blessed there in the Greek can be translated as Lucky, or fortunate, or yes, you guessed it, happy. Happy are those who are sad, for they shall be comforted. Put very simply, sad is happy, Jesus says. Happy is sad. It's a paradox. Now, why? is sad, happy. It sounds so unbelievably upside down, doesn't it? What do you mean, Jesus, that the way to be comforted in this world is actually to embrace the sadness that we feel? Let me say three things about this. Happy is sad in the first instance because it orients us to the truth in this world. You know what the truth of this world is? It's broken. It is not the way it's supposed to be. It's upside down. 
We, in our sin, have taken what God intended for this world, and we've flipped so many things upside down. Therefore, to become oriented to the truth in a world that's been flipped upside down is, as G.K. Chatterton says, to start walking on your hands. It is to go upside down yourself. The way to get right side up in an upside down world is to go upside down. This is why so many of the Beatitudes are paradoxes. Scholars call them paradoxes of the kingdom. You have heard that it was said that rich is rich. No, no, Jesus says, in this world, in its current state, because it's upside down, poor is rich. You have heard that it was said strong is strong. No, 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 meek is strong. You've heard that it was said that full is full. Jesus says, no, you've got it wrong. Empty in this world is actually full. And you've heard that it was said that happy is happy. Well, no, given the way the world is in its current state, actually, it's the opposite sometimes. Sometimes sad is the road to happy in an upside-down world. That's the first thing. Why else is sad happy, happy, sad? Well, it's because here, it's the appropriate response to the things that happen in our lives. It's the appropriate response to a world that is incredibly broken. Do you remember that story in John chapter 11 when Jesus hears that Lazarus has died and then he goes to Bethany to be with the two sisters and those who are mourning for Jesus? And when he encounters Mary, Mary is weeping and she has an entourage that's weeping. And the text tells us that Jesus' response when he sees and he encounters the brokenness of the world is that he's deeply moved and troubled in spirit. The Greek word there is fascinating. It is the same word that's used in other Greek literature to describe a battle horse on the line, angry, rip-snorting, ready to go into battle. That's how Jesus feels about the brokenness of this world. And what does he do next? Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Some of us know that anger and grief are tied together. Oftentimes, the first response we have emotionally is anger, and then the tears come. Guess what? Jesus himself authenticates that that is an appropriate response to the brokenness of this world. It puts you in line with what God himself is saying is true. You should be angry at the brokenness of this world. Jesus is. You should be sad at the state of the world in which it is and the state of your life in which it is. Yes, go down into that sadness. There is comfort by expressing the truth about the world and the sadness that you feel. I got a phone call one morning from a parishioner in my church telling me that a 23-year-old had been killed in a plane crash just outside of Alberta. Could I go visit the family? I went in about 12 hours after the accident. He was the youngest of four. His siblings were sitting on the floor with their spouses. Everybody's heads was down when I came into their living room. The mother was curled up in the fetal position on the couch. The husband was beside her, head down, crunched over. They were in an absolute state of grief. Not much was said besides some choice words that I cannot repeat from this front, from this place. I got into my car after this. I was driving down the road. The tears started coming down my face, and I slammed my hands on the steering wheel. And I said, damn you, devil. I don't want to live in a world like this. This is not the way it's supposed to be. 
Mothers should not lose their sons. Fathers should not lose their sons. Fiancés should not lose their future. Siblings shouldn't use their lose their brothers or sisters. And I was angry because I was sad because this world is not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus says that is the pathway to comfort. Finally, ultimately, supremely, it's the pathway to comfort thirdly because why? Because it opens us to hope. It opens us to Christ Jesus himself. Here's what I want you to do when you feel sad the next time or right now. Look underneath it. Turn over that rock of sadness and see what's lurking underneath. What desires is it signaling in you? My anger was signaling to the fact that I don't want to live in a world where mothers lose their sons, etc., etc. Where we lose the ones we love the most, where relationships are broken, where I myself do things that I don't want to do over and over again. You fill in the blank. What's underneath the sadness? There's a desire. C.S. Lewis makes a wonderful argument for the existence of God. You know what C.S. Lewis said? He said, isn't it curious that you human being have desires in your heart? You have appetites. And for every appetite that you as a human being have in the world, there is a corresponding something in the world that fills that appetite. Isn't that interesting? Right? You have hunger, and there's a thing called food. You have the desire for sex, and there is that thing called marriage. You have a desire for pleasure, and there are pleasurable things. You have a desire for beauty, and there are beautiful things. But most fundamentally, you have a desire for life everlasting, for relationships that aren't broken, for, as Revelation puts it, for a world where there's no more mourning, crying, tears, or pain. And there's Jesus. <laughs> That's what Scripture says. You have that desire for that world and that relational harmony. And there's Jesus who can fulfill those desires and who wants to. I need to wrap it up. We can stumble over the idea that Scripture says that Jonah was swallowed by a whale, but we are actually asked to believe something far more outrageous, far more prodigious than that. And by the Holy Spirit of God, we can. We are to believe that Jonah swallowed the whale. Jesus, the New Testament says, is the new Jonah. And Jesus went down into the belly of the whale of death. And he executed the death blow to death itself. Jesus swallowed the whale. Believe it. Our deepest desires are answered in Christ. Our appetite for life everlasting is placed there by God. It's the fingerprints of God on your heart. Trust it and come to him. I invite you after uh, the service right now. I was going to say go to the cross. The cross isn't there. But open yourself to him and say, Jesus, I want to know you more. If you haven't already encountered him, just invite him and say, show me that you are true. Show me that you will indeed fulfill the deepest desires of my heart. Let me pray for us so then we can go. Lord God, we, um, we confess that we live in a world that is incredibly broken, that things are not the way that they're supposed to be, that I myself, we ourselves are not the way we're supposed to be, and we bring up a lament for the pain, for the suffering, for the woundedness, for the brokenness, for the alienation that we feel, 
for the division that we experience. And allow us, Lord, indeed, to turn over the rock of our sadness and find their desires that you alone can fulfill. And Lord, for those of us who know this to be true, help us to exhibit the same kind of compassion and love that you yourself did in this world that will signal to the world the hope that you are. Bless us now in this day and in this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Go in peace.